0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Cyber Work with InfoSec podcast. Each week, I sit down with a different industry thought leader to discuss the latest cybersecurity trends and how these trends are affecting the work of InfoSec professionals, as well as tips for those trying to break in or move up the ladder in the cybersecurity industry. As part of InfoSec's effort to close the skills gap and empower people through security education, Cyber Work will continue to be speaking with diverse and interesting women in the cybersecurity industry and hearing their stories, including today's guest. Today on the show, we have Susan Morrow, a frequent contributor to our InfoSec Resources website, which you can check out at resources.infosecinstitute.com, as well as uh, several well-attended webinars that we've hosted in the past year. Susan has been working in the Susan security sector for over 20 years. She is currently the head of research and development at Avoco Secure and specializes in designing solutions for consumer and citizen identity systems. She says that she has always tried to put the human being at the center of technology while balancing security, which can sometimes be quite a challenge. And today she is coming to speak with us about her experience of being a woman in the tech industry. Susan, thank you once again for being here.
1: Thank you, Chris. Hello.
0: Hi. Uh, So, to start at the very beginning, um, how and when did you first get started in computers and security and where where, where did the interest come from?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, Okay. So, I originally, my original profession, Mm-hmm. was a, as an analytical chemist in industry. Mm. And I quite a few years in the labs, analyzing things, running labs, that type of thing. Yep. And um, it's a long story, but I moved, I transitioned through that into, I, I did also shortly for a brief period was a um, science teacher. Okay. So my background is actually in science. Yeah. I feel like a scientist rather than technologist. It's <laughs> really weird. Real. I can't seem to shake that. Yeah. Um, my original career was in science, and then I moved over to tech because myself and my partner were working, uh, were originally working on scientific software just to sort of make money on the side, you know. Can't stop poorly paid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's where the money is. Yeah.
1: But, <laughs> oh, that's, you know, we really wanted to work together as well. Yeah. We enjoyed being together, you know, wanted to work together. What we do, oh, I know what. In those days, you could start a company in your bedroom. Yeah, we sure. Literally we literally did. We sold one of the world's largest installs of security software to a major Fortune 500 company, and they probably still don't know to this day. I mean, this was years ago. So I'm saying this now. It was it was written, created, bagged up a lot in our bedroom. Wow. I know.
0: What? What's? What? what when? What, when would this have been?
1: This would have been early '90s.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Early '90s and. Um, Anyway, was we, it just
0: we, for one client or did you sell it to multiple people or so was it we, a custom? Um,
1: yeah. So it was, um, we, we got, we got the break from mm-hmm. SC Magazine. Oh, oh SC magazine. yeah. I, know yeah. It, yeah. So I noted that they were running reviews of products, which is still do. Yeah. And mm-hmm. if you're doing it, go to SC Magazine. And yeah. I said, Oh, let's just, let's just send it and see what they say. You know, naively.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Right.
1: Naivety, naivety is a wonderful thing. <laughs> um, and we got, we got five stars and wow. um, it the product was a file and folder level encryption product okay. and, um, and a big a big fortune 500 company needed that mm-hmm. they didn't care. You know they just wanted to know that it worked it did the job yep and um we got a massive deal and we were able to quit our jobs and start the company properly
0: I love it now um <laughs> did they get did you get the gig based on the five star review and se yes exactly oh, I love yeah. it. Oh, that's even better. Yeah,
1: that's good. Uh,
0: so I know you uh, as someone who wears a lot of different hats, but um, so could you tell me a little bit about your various roles with Evoco Security yeah. and, and some so of your I mean, other projects? What do you do? Yeah, I mean, sort
1: of, this is like a, a, another company on the, the whole first yep. company. It's yep. a very long, complicated story that could be turned into a book. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. I learned a lot from that company. I learned mm-hmm. to, I basically learned everything to do with the business and the business of security the business of security. Okay. Yeah. So um, in, in Evoco, Evoco, so Evoco started off as a rights management um, company and I sort of took the we took the knowledge from the first company, which was in access control, that type of thing, and applied it to rights management, which has an access control layer. Obviously, it's a bit more complicated than that. Um, we, we soon found out sort of when the perimeter started to be broken mm-hmm. and became more fuzzy we found out that access control is actually a very complicated thing. And in the old yeah. days, when I say old days, I'm talking about 15 years ago, right. uh, you could probably use something like Active Directory to control access to content. Mm-hmm. Then this, the internet became ubiquitous. People were trying to share content with outside parties, didn't have Active Directory mm-hmm. um, you know, accounts. What do you do? Certificates? Nobody wants to use personal certificates. They're too complicated. Yeah. Um, we looked at information cards, which is a Microsoft initiative back in the day. Hmm. Um, it was killed, killed by Microsoft, like literally killed. <laughs> so we look, we sort of think, oh, identity. Now yeah, there's a space opening up for, for like you know, identity that crosses cloud-based identity as a service that crosses perimeter.
0: Okay. So this was so probably that, right at the, the headwaters of, of cloud.
1: Yeah. Action. I mean, we knew nothing about, we knew nothing really about identity at that point, but this was going back about 10 years. Okay. In, in the past ten years, there's been an enormous amount of changes in the identity space. I nice. am firmly; it needs to be more firmly, but it's firmly in the remit of cybersecurity. I mean, especially with things like the zero trust model, it needs to be more firmly in there. There needs to be more links between traditional cybersecurity and I am because the two are so intrinsically linked and dovetailed. Hmm. So that that's an, 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 another discussion point. Um, so my role in a vocal um, covers many areas. Um, I work in um, product design, so I help to um, design the features and functions of the product. So I need to understand protocols. I need to I need to understand software. So I've never been a software developer, but I have trained myself to write in certain languages just because it's useful hmm yeah. I'm just not interested. I'm just not interested in What, that. what
0: languages are you trained in?
1: Um, um, JavaScript. and it, Years ago, C++, that was the original one that I, yep. I, I learned. But I'm, I'm just not interested in it. I'm more yeah. of a big picture person. Yeah, sure, sure. So um, I, I, I look at the market, I understand that I have to understand the market deeply, understand everything that's going on, the trends, what's wrong with them. To be able to understand what's wrong with things that are coming along, I have to be able to understand... Um, you know the the deeper le- at a deep level yeah. how software works and how technology works and solution architect I do a lot of solution architecture I do business analysis so when people when we we have a client the client will give us requirements I have to then map those requirements to the functionality and work out you know how how things are going to work so that the design the developers can then actually configure the product properly hmm. so it's kind of it's kind of it's, it's it's a it's kind of a wide role. But it's yeah. also it's also not because it just means I do a lot of research, a lot right. of research.
0: Okay, well that that that, that moves in my next question here. Um, uh, I, I realize you know most people, especially if you're you know owning a company or you know high level exec or whatever, your days are different. But could you sort of walk me through an approximation of your average day? Like how many plates or projects are you spinning at any given time, and what are mm-hmm. you know some of your favorite parts of your current projects, and what do you find most frustrating? It varies.
1: It varies. Um, well, if something I do every single day, though, is right. In some form or another, I have mm-hmm. to write. Something and I've been doing a lot of, um, just the past couple of weeks, for example, I've been doing a lot of um, RFPs, you know, um, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. I'll I, I find them very boring to do. But to be able to do them, you have to really be able to, again, do this requirement analysis. It's that kind of like mapping things back and being able to see, like, the big picture and pulling pieces in, but also doing it in such a way that you um, – optimize your time, ta- you know, people's time in the company with, you know, what the value of the project is, that type of thing. So there's all that going on. So uh, I also do it on my own, obviously. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I do have, I do have my little helpers. Just yep, joking. Sure. you big helpers really, and I couldn't do it without you. Um,
0: how <laughs> many, yeah. how many helpers do you have?
1: Oh, I know, actually very few. We're a very small company. Okay. Um, but they're, they're very, very, very talented people. So the, 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 you know, Incredibly helpful, mm-hmm. um, so I do. Uh, the past few weeks has been a lot of focus on that. But then I might have a period where, for example, I have to do an enormous amount of things like working out user journey analysis and mm-hmm. writing out. I mean, um, the last mega project that we did was the UK government verify system, um, and that is a bit. That was a big project. So we were the technology behind some two of the big brands oh, that okay. gave the citizens in the UK identities. Hmm. Um, so I had to write this user journey document, which was um, kind of, it and I had to write it in such a way that I could give it to the developers who could then configure the platform in such a way that it, it um, so, the, so the, the system architect could take it and develop the, 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 the configuration that would match the requirements. So I had to do an enormous amount of work on user journeys. And because it was a very complicated system with many moving parts across a massively white demographic that, and I had to, the U, the UX of it was very complex. Wow! And um, that was a massive job. It took months to do that. Wow. Um, so that was one of my main jobs and that took a lot of my bandwidth. And when I'm doing things like that, it's very difficult for me to fit other things in. Yeah. Um, you know, but what I like doing the best um and there's not always a remit for this, but when I get the opportunity, what I do best, I think, is to take an idea for maybe an extra function or maybe a new component. Well, I mean, the, the product that we have is actually an API. So what I'm talking about here is a, a different expression of the API to okay. productize, productize it. That is one of my favorite jobs to do. So design mm-hmm. specs around productization, you know, mm-hmm. using API features. What is,
0: what, is, what is the appeal of that specific task?
1: I think it's because I can link um, what I know about the market and mm-hmm. what the market wants. And by market, I mean people, people, mm-hmm. what people want <coughs> with um, the remit of um, identity data and personal data.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And just being able to map those two things together. And then at the end of it, get like what is essentially, it becomes like a, almost like a baby. It's like, I like to garden when I get the chance. Yeah, and you grow a plant. It's the same sort of thing, you know. You put the seed in, and you you water it, and you give it food, and you watch it grow, and then you know you might sort of like take clippings from it, and and so on. It's the same sort of thing. It's like yeah. it feels like you're growing something.
0: Hmm. I love that.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: so I'm. I mean, based on you know what you're telling me about these huge projects, I'm guessing you're not really keeping bankers hours. Like how many how many hours a day are you sort of working on your various projects?
1: I've never really thought about this as a nine to five job. Yeah, it's not a nine to five job, mm-hmm. but um, try not to work in the mornings anymore because I've been told off by a therapist for doing that <laughs> because it interferes with my mental health. So yeah, try sure. not to do that in the morning. And I was, I was, I was. I tend to get up early, and I was like going immediately to the computer and, and working. But now I try to watch things like Community mm-hmm. and Parks and Recreation. Oh, there you go. <laughs>
0: Start start on a lower gear to start with.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Work your
0: way into it. Okay, yeah. so that's I mean, so that that's a that that's a really uh, interesting point. So you're, uh, you're you're sort of easing back a little bit, but you but it seems like you, I mean, do you do you sort of stop at a certain point of the day? Is there a point where you just your brain shuts off, or are you still up at yes. 10, 11 yeah. at night? And yeah.
1: no, no, I stop and I do this on purpose now, and I, this is something that I taught myself to do again because mm-hmm. I didn't stop. And it's really important. Now, I'm lucky in my life that I don't have small children.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, now my children are grown up.
0: Right.
1: Uh, But um, this is particularly important if you've got small children. And I had to force myself to do this. I now have a cut-off point. And when I started in this this company, which has been going for thirteen years now, when I started in this company, I was so used to working all the hours God sends, right. That when I came to this company, I said to myself, "Susan, you've got to stop, and you've got to have a cut-off point, and tell everybody from the from day one, this is my cut-off point, and I don't work out. I mean, I do, yeah, yeah. I do. But you know, <laughs> but, they mean, know <laughs> but they don't have to know that. They don't have to know that, and yeah. they respect it. And they yeah. do sometimes. They do sometimes ring me up at like eight nine o'clock, and I do take the call because in the main they respect it. In the yeah. main, so if they ring me, it must be important.
0: Absolutely, that's a. I think that's a really good. Uh, everyone needs to know that like you need you to set to boundaries band- and make people respect them. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's you absolutely bit, crucial.
1: You make yourself very ill and I did at one yeah. point get very ill because of yeah.
0: work Oh yeah. No, you can't be on all, all hours of the day. So, yeah. um, so moving on, uh, you recently wrote an article for our site, resources.infosecinstitute.com titled 10 uh, Women in Cybersecurity to Know. Uh, and you included a bit of autobiography at the start, specifically about the days when the only women on the floor of a cybersecurity conference were the so-called booth babes. Uh, as you noted, the the women of these conferences at the time weren't really there to bring knowledge or insight, but were as, quote, as a kind of prize for the male attendees. And obviously yeah. things have changed a bit in the intervening years, but obviously a lot more is needed. Uh, mm-hmm. You posted a tweet from a colleague that expressed anger that this kind of thing is still going on. Mm-hmm. Um, with platforms like Twitter making it harder to pretend that organizers didn't get the negative feedback for their actions, do you think that speaking up about these things in public spaces is making any difference?
1: Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be perfectly honest, back in the day, I didn't have a lot of confidence to speak up about things like that. I've sure. had some bad experiences, um, and and um, it took a lot of maturity to build my confidence. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of younger women now now seem to have the confidence that I lacked, and they're not frightened of standing up. And it's made right. a massive difference. And I'm really grateful to them for like having the courage to say this is wrong. Um, I mean, when I think back, I feel quite ashamed that I haven't, I didn't, you know, pull people up under certain circumstances, you know, when they embarrassed me and it made me feel ashamed and, and were outrightly, outrageously sexist to me. I didn't say anything to them. I yep. should have said something to them, but I was fearful of my job and upsetting people. And, you know, I think, but no, people stand up. Now, it upsets a lot of people. And I know that there's a little bit of a backlash and men are thinking, oh God, not another waiting woman. And, and, right. And, you know, I get it. Like, cause it yeah, would be really annoying. It would be really annoying cause it just feel like sudden, like tsunami of angry women. Right. But, oh my God, the alternative is... The alternative is to have submissive, suppressed women. Do you really want that? Do you really right. want that? Mm-hmm. Gosh, we need to work together in this world, to, especially in cybersecurity, because it is it touches everything now.
0: Yes. yes, we have
1: to work together. We'll have to like all use our talents together. Yeah. Um, so I'm grateful for those young women who have got the courage to speak up.
0: I, I think I would also, you know, note that you know the, for the younger women now who are able to speak up, like they're able to do it because. Uh, you know, people twenty years ago, like yourself, you know, were able to do, you know, and that there's with more and more, uh, you know, women. You have, you know, this sort of union of people who have your back and people in leadership who have your back. And yeah, I mean, there's that, a lot of, that's,
1: a lot of, um, you know, that things. Can only like help. women in tech, women in cybersecurity, women in identity. Yeah, there's a lot of groups as well.
0: Who,
1: yes, I, can I tell you a funny story? The other Please. day. Yeah. So this, so I'm a member of Women in Identity, right? Which mm-hmm. is a, it's a, it's a a support group it's not just actually for women it's actually for men and women but it's mm-hmm. a support group to try and encourage more women to have voices in the industry anyway so i was talking to this bloke the other day you'll know who you are if you hear this right he's a re- actually he's actually a really great bloke and he's a friend it's not just a colleague he's a friend right mm-hmm. he's a great bloke and honestly i don't want anybody to think anything badly of him because he's lovely right but he said this to me right so we're talking about women identity and um it, the conversation went something like this oh yeah women identity that's just like all women together like just like looking after each other and you've got all you powerful women and you can open doors for each other he's a consultant you can open doors for each other and I just I just I burst out laughing I says "How I says you sorry I almost went into accent there (laughs) I said you have got to be kidding me I said do you mean like a bit like the old boys network do you think like just like that like that Right. And a lot, you know, I mean, I offered to like write an article about him and stuff, like on the <laughs> But you know, yeah. that, that, that no, he's a nice bloke, He's a nice man, right. and he thought that it was giving women undue and unfair advantage over right. men.
0: Right, Which is well, yeah. yeah I, mean, I mean, and
1: and, and all along, there's <laughs> there's like, so
0: many stories of that in different industries where it's you know there's you know women in publishing or women in medical and it, and and they always end up having to be disclaimed with, Oh, but men can join too, you know, like,
1: which is,
0: which is fine and good exactly. and whatever. But it's funny to me that it has to be like, there has to be that, that disclaimer of like, Oh, don't worry, don't worry. We're not excluding you. It's okay. It's okay. Even though, you know, you've been excluded, you know, for so many decades that, you know, I, I don't. I don't know. It's 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 challenging for sure. I understand. Well,
1: I, honestly, I don't mind men being involved in it personally. I just yeah. like have to like realize that we sometimes have to like have groups where because women have got this really weird thing. A lot of women, I anyway, mean, obviously not all of them. Yeah. And I've got this, myself got this thing called imposter syndrome, and it's real. It's oh, real is. and alive and kicking, right? And. One of my problems when I was younger and coming into this industry, I just didn't have the confidence. And it felt like all these like, techie men who like, were talking about encryption all the time. And I was learning it on the job, talking about encryption all the time. And, oh, I'm not as good as they are. Really, I'm, that's exactly what went through my head. I'm just not as good as they are. I just need to hide. I don't want to speak to anybody. Yeah. And, you know, you need other, other people who understand what that feels like you Know to give you a hat, just hold a hand out here and say, Come on, I'll help you along. Yeah, and just like give your hands because I I probably would, in, in a competition between me a man of equal standing, I probably wouldn't win because that person would have more confidence than me and it would come through. Probably. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sad now, I'm fine now. <laughs> like tw- 20 years ago, 20,
0: yeah, oh yeah, no, you're gonna prove nothing to nobody now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, there's I mean, two points from that. Uh, you know, one is, is that, uh You know, I I think that there's it needs to be said in a lot of different aspects of of work, but especially with this, you know, five minutes of help now can make hours worth of productivity later. You know, sometimes it's just like, I need five minutes of your time to help me through this problem, but sometimes it's just, I need five minutes of reinforcement from someone who I respect and -hmm. it's going to get me through several weeks, you know, and those are those are important things. And we've talked to uh, several other women in the industry and you know, so many of them mentioned, you know, mentoring programs, whether, you know, women with women or, you know, men with women or, you know, what have you. Mm -hmm. But, but a good way to break through imposter syndrome is to have someone in your corner and saying, like, just let you talk out your, your, your fears, you know, and say there's nothing to be worried about. And, That can, you know, that can last you for weeks. Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm, Absolutely. And you know what? It's not just women who have this. It's not just women who have lack of, lack of confidence. There's loads of men who do as well, you know, and we just need to like support each other. Right? (laughs) This guy. It's (laughs) crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, but you just, you can't help it. And you just need to have people to be a bit more understanding. Not so, not so. I hate using this word, but it's how it feels. Macho. You know Yeah. Like my culture of like, you've got to pretend, fake it till you make it, you know, mm-hmm, this sort of, mm-hmm. um, and all this sort of, these cultural overlays of, of how you should act. And, and yeah. like men are definitely as, as, as disadvantaged by that as women are.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. On our software products. It's actually reflected in our software products.
0: hmm mm-hmm. you know? Because
1: so? great ideas and great innovations are held back because people are afraid to say, oh, why don't you just try that? Oh, no, I'm stupid. Nobody's going to listen to me.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, is, is that has that been an, an issue at all with things that you've worked on, or have you found out like after the fact someone had a really good idea but it went to um,
1: went to market without it? Well, th- it gets complicated because sometimes the clients, if certainly what what we do, sometimes the clients will um, have a view in their head of what they want and. Even if it's like not ideal, you still have to do it because they've gone through, you know, internal. Issues. So who knows what goes on in, inside? Who knows? But yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of times where I've done things and other people have taken the credit for it.
0: Yeah, and that's, yeah, yeah.
1: That's really annoying. Oh, that's an yeah. really annoying thing that happens. But I think probably everybody experiences that at some point in
0: their yeah. career. Yeah, but and again, with with uh, you know, if you have someone in your corner, it's it's a lot easier to make your case maybe now, potentially, mm-hmm. you know, than it would have been when, you know, mm-hmm. I will just go go along to get along or what have you.
1: Yeah, yeah. But surely mentoring and, um, you know, support groups that are specific to industry sectors like women in in cybersecurity and women in be are great, you know, because it can give you a structured way of having support.
0: So no. we, we've sort of been talking about this, but what, what were the biggest challenges to being a woman in the cybersecurity field when you started and how, if at all, have these challenges changed?
1: Um, well, I think one of the biggest annoyances, I don't know if it was a challenge, but it was an annoyance, was that I was never taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I was always everybody always assumed that I worked in marketing. Oh. I don't know why that was exactly. It was, yeah. just, it was a weird it was a weird thing, and I always had to put them right. And you used There's to get a certain excited. marketing
0: stride about you or something. <laughs>
1: I actually am quite interested in marketing because I'm quite interested in the sort of like human behavior side of it. Sure. But, uh, I wasn't in, I was in the marketing and, and people used to pigeonhole me into it. It was really irritating. Anyway, um, and also, I've been in, in those days, I have actually been in a situation where even though I was like running the company, I was the managing director of the company, mm-hmm. I was ignored, not spoken to. And the man who I was with, I'm thinking of one particular instance where it was a sales director, he, was assumed to be director He spoke directly to him. I mean, I, I mean, I have mean not? one company. This is going to be hard to believe, but this this was what was said. That they refused to have any more meetings with me if I turned up in trousers. I had to wear a skirt.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Yes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, this is. And and, and, and I'm, and I'm assuming from your career,
0: this is within the last twenty years. This isn't like 1955 <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, this is.
1: Wow. Business anymore, and it was a big company as well. Yeah. Um. So um. You know, I've had a lot of that. and That was a pain, and I was the only. I was always the only woman in the room. Right. And I st- it still happens. Like I mentioned in the blog post, I was a, that was a recent meeting with a very well known large financial organization. Um, there was twenty two people in the room. It was a, te- it was a technical meeting. There was twenty two people in the room, and I was the only woman. And um, you just think, really. <laughs> But then I have women who say to me, I have women who, who work in women, like, you know, dominate dominant industries who so say to me, oh, you're really lucky, Susan. It's horrible working with women because women are horrible and they're really bitchy and horrible. <laughs> and, um, you know, but... I can only talk about my experiences.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and and, and yeah, one's not necessarily better than the other, but uh, exactly. it would be nice to have something in the, in the middle maybe there or,
1: yeah, uh, just, just so
0: true. obviously things have gotten better in the intervening time, but what, what if anything has gotten worse? Do you, have you, has there been any sort of like, like backlash or people getting sick of, you know, or, or <laughs> you know, do you get more accusations of, oh, you just got here because they wanted to, you know, fill in Florida yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: There's definitely so. that. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't be doing this now if there wasn't a little bit of like sort of positive bias going on. Sure. Well, but that's a good thing, in my yeah. view. Well, it it's good to a point. I mean, obviously, you, you want the best person for the job and you want to feel like you are the best person for the job. Right. But the fact is, is that in the past, the best person for the job wasn't chosen. They were chosen not on merit, they were chosen, chosen because they were a particular sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sorry, but that is true anybody who denies mm-hmm. it is in denial <laughs> yeah um, and um, so so but there, it does feel i mean i could maybe i'm just being paranoid because the world's a bit weird at the minute but it does feel like there's a back a bit of a backlash certain things are foot, and people are angry about it and they don't want this to happen and there is a little bit little, a bit like you know in the 70s when there was the the i mean i was still a kid then so i don't remember it directly but from what I've heard, in the 70s when women were, you know, raising consciousness, they called it then. Sure. And um, and feminism, was, the first wave of feminism was happening. Um, I don't know if that actually was a first wave of feminism. Actually. But anyway, um, so so he um, had a lot of backlash then, if you remember. Yeah. Um, with, like, and the yeah, fact, I right. remember this actually even as a kid, well, they're taking our jobs, women are taking our jobs, get back the kitchen, you know, type of thing. Oh, sure. And, there's a little bit of an undercurrent of that again. Just a little bit. Yeah. I'm picking up in certain certain places. Yeah. But what I will say is that I don't know if that's just my experience, but I am surrounded by really, really great men, mm-hmm. right, who will fight that for me. Not just allow me to do it, but they'll come and fight that for me. I, I do know some not very nice men who are part of that whole thing, mm-hmm. but a vast majority... Of, men in my life, will actively fight against that. Now I don't know if that existed in the 70s or not.
0: Yeah. Um, So we've talked about a lot of them, but what what negative aspects and ingrained behaviors of the industry do you think are most likely to push away uh, women who might otherwise be inclined to get involved in cybersecurity?
1: Yeah, I mean, in cybersecurity, I mean, cybersecurity is still a little bit, it's a little bit this feeling that you have to be a software developer to be involved in it. Yeah. And, and it does seem to be like so so you know, you know going back to these groups, there's a lot of groups for women and get trying to get women involved in software development. Now I've got a view of software development that might not be um held by everybody, but I think that the way software development is going is becoming a lot more. Well, let's put it this way. When I was like first doing the C++, it was blooming hard work. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why I don't do it <laughs> because yeah. it was really, really, it's a really hard language to learn. Yeah. You have a lot of things in your head and, you know, all the variables, and code variables, and that. But, but, um, now you can pick up a, a language really quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because you know, a lot of it is, 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 you know, you've got a lot of like, um, your libraries to help you, and you've got a lot, a lot of it is automated. Things like art is really easy to pick up, and so on, and so forth. Now that's not a bad thing, or well, I have a view on that, but I'll not discuss that here. Okay. But what it means is that um, you know, there's a potential for it to become even more automated. There's a potential for it to be pushed into more of the long grass, and things like software architecture and design being a much more a much more um um satisfying job because there's a lot more thought and you know you're thinking about the actual you know interactions of like lots of different because everything there was api based as well like I think but most things are api based they have to interact in a much bigger ecosystem you know I mean yes, yeah, sure you still got point solutions like apps and stuff like that, but a lot of platforms are very sort of you know got a lot of touch points hmm. uh, so I think that we need to be a lot more. Uh, this feels like it feels like mm-hmm. there's a lot too much emphasis on the program side, okay. and not emphasis on the design side. And the reason for that is because it's seen as a soft part, mm-hmm.
0: of mm-hmm.
1: a soft a skill,
0: right? To be able to right. do design, right?
1: And solution architecture, for example. Well. But it's not. It's actually it's actually just as complicated as programming. Yeah. And um, you know so. I think there needs to be more emphasis on that, and I think if you do that, I think if you do that, you'll naturally draw women in because they'll find it interesting because it's a big picture.
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, and there's not that sort of that specific type of barrier to entry of like, well, if you yeah. don't know every single one of these C plus uh, plus, you know, commands or yeah. whatever, like, then yeah. you know, yeah. and then just becomes you know a thumbs up or thumbs down or whatever like that. So yeah,
1: yeah, but there's more to there's more to cybersecurity than you know, being able to write a bit of software
0: code. Ones and zeros, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I've, I've heard tech leaders say things like, well, we'd like to have more women in our company, but none of them answer our job applications. And, uh, you know, and there's there's this, you know, statistic that says, you know, that, um, uh, you know, if if a, a listing is posted, you know, asking for 10 requirements that, you know, women w- won't apply for it unless they have at least eight of those 10 but a lot of men will apply for it, even if they have two or three of those 10. And again, it speaks to a confidence uh, differential. But uh, do you think crafting job listings and targeting them correctly is a part of the process of finding and recruiting diverse candidates?
1: So I have to put my hands up here and I've had problems recruiting women. And I've even Mm -hmm. actively gone out and contacted women and said, please apply for this job because we'd love you to. Mm -hmm. And now that could be because they don't want to take the risk of working in a small company yep um it could be that because i always just pretty much recruit developers
0: mm-hmm.
1: always developers that i recruit of one type or another so maybe they're just not interested but these are women developers that i'm i'm actively actively going out to and saying, please right. you know, please apply, apply for this shop. but i find it very difficult and I'm, i'm aware of it i'm aware of it and i find it difficult i mean the trouble is is that if you're looking for a very specific type of person, developer we're talking about here, if you're looking for a very specific developer, they have to have a particular list of skills, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, unless you're prepared to train them on the job or whatever. But if you're looking for an experienced developer, there's a series, there's a set of skills and you have to list them, you know, but yeah, sure. um, Lack of confidence must play a part in that.
0: Yep. Mm. Um, So uh, obviously you're a strong advocate for the goal of creating uh, gender parity and and racial parity and cybersecurity, including in management and leadership roles. And I've talked with a few other uh, leaders about this. And this is sort of a multifaceted challenge because it's not just a matter of getting lots of women in at the entry level. There has to be this sort of deep bench that allows you to sort of hire into management and hire into uh, these leadership roles and, and even stakeholder positions. And it requires undoing decades of industry-wide short-sightedness at the most charitable and outright discrimination at the worst. Uh, so what are some of the most vital strategies do you think to bring more women and minority professionals into the cybersecurity profession at all levels, not just help desk or what have you?
1: Yeah, that's, um, that's a, that's, that's a really hard question to answer because it, it, it needs to have it like, it's a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, um, Women do till still there tends to be um, a concern about doing certain jobs because if you if you have kids are you going to have kids you're going to have to like have a bit more flexibility and yeah you know, so for example <clears throat> yep. a lot of jobs in the tech sector require a bit of travel um even if it's to conferences and stuff but it's also to clients you know premises and stuff and that's that could be that could be hard to like you know it's hard for a man as well i'm not i'm not yeah. i'm having to cut i'm having to like i'm having to like always like be aware that i might upset some bloke i'm not trying to upset you honestly nope. it's just this is what happens <laughs> stay,
0: stay the hell out of the comment section <laughs> jerky <laughs> <laughs> anyway.
1: um yes. Yeah, so, so um you know often I, I can only talk to my experience as a mother and I also right. I'm a grandmother now as well and you know I do whatever I can to help with the kids, and and traveling takes it out of you, mm-hmm. and it also affects your family life. And you know, you you need to have a very supportive partner in that relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, male or female, you need to have a very supportive partner yes. to do well and to rise through the ranks. So there needs to be there needs to be some cogniz- cognizant debate around that. Yeah. Um. You also need to you know not just once you get it needs to, it takes like a woman with a lot of confidence and to be quite brave to be in a board full of just men as well because they do tend to and I'm talking from experience here, they do tend to talk about meals you know, like I've been in many board meetings where they've talked about things just like about about things like um, golf and and sort of sailing and stuff, which is fine and rugby and rugby. Sure. I remember, I remember at this meeting once. It was a government thing, and they were showing a video. Um, it was to do with some big sort of government initiative thing. They were showing a video, and it was like all about rugby, and they we're using all these rugby analogies. And I complained to them, like, and I said, like, you know, come on, man, think a bit, think a bit. Like, this has got, like, can it relate to this at all in any way, shape, or form? Just, like, little things. It may seem like, oh, my God, she's just complaining. What's wrong with that? I right. really know what rugby is. Actually, I don't know. I don't have to take no interest in rugby or any sport. And um, and you just think, oh, man, just, like, think a bit differently. Just, like, stop yeah. going down these tram lines. Mm-hmm. Maybe the stop and doing these things and maybe once we've started having women you know filtering through more and we've got like more than 25 percent you know sort of employment rate in cybersecurity security for women then maybe it'll pick up it'll pick up a pace. it'll be like snowball
0: yeah yeah and yeah and it seems like things are going in that direction anyway but yeah some mm. of it's time but some of it has to be i think you know strategizing in the in that direction and really Thinking about it on a day-to-day basis, uh, so you mentioned it before too. But how, how can we make cybersecurity industry understand that more women in tech ultimately makes the entire industry stronger and more capable of solving problems in new and innovative ways? Like you had mentioned, uh, you know, good ideas that get passed by because someone has imposter syndrome or or what have you. But like, can you give me some examples, like within your team or other teams, where having a more sort of diverse force uh, came up with specific um, solutions?
1: I can point to I can point to a, a Twitter discussion I've been having over the okay. past year. So, in, in the identity industry, there's um, a new wave of um, identity mechanism called self-sovereign identity. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. of, it's kind mm-hmm. of based on distributed ledger technology, and um, it's about giving user control back to the individual. You know, of their their identity attributes, verified claims, and um, the discussion. That is being going on in Twitter is um, between a group of people who are quite diverse. There's women, there's men, there's developers, there's lawyers, there's anthropologists, there's product designers, there's, there's protocol specialists, a whole group of people right, discussing um, some of the sort of complexities of the commercial setting of these type, new type of way of sharing data. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Um, it's still ongoing. Um, what what it's doing is it's it's bringing people. So I asked a question around, um, but someone brought up about um, about um, I th- it was I think it might have been Kim Cameron in a conference actually okay. that said that um, user um, li- li- liability for data sharing is moving from the enterprise to the individual. Okay. Right, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. there was a few people come in and said, "No, I, I, that doesn't sound right to me. You know, you can't do that." And I asked the question, well, where does the liability if those if you ver- it, it was discussing verification, checking, you know, of claims, making sure that they are who they say they are?" Okay, uh, and, and I said, "Well, you know, what if those? How do you trust the people who verified the claims? Where does the liability stand?" Nobody could really answer that, but a lawyer, a privacy lawyer, came in and she was able to shed light on it. Hmm. And should also able to start a new site discussion about something that was related, but not not, not exactly the same. Um, about maybe the, the impact of, of large commercial entities within a you know user cent- truly user centric system. How was how would that impact it? What that does is because of all those different people from all different disciplines and men, women, old, young, you know, yeah. um they um, were able to open up a debate that there is no way. That in fact, one of the blokes who was on said to me, "Well, I'm going to bring some of these ideas through into some of our development calls because it's always developers on those calls, and we'll be able to like discuss these issues." What we do is to allow people to I see.
0: Yeah, 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 and okay. and I think that also requires. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I
1: was also saying, It does everybody good because at the end, you get better product. yeah. products. Yeah, more rounded. I did, I did a I did an article for someone recently. Um, in the UK um, about disability and identity systems. Hmm. Unless you've actually experienced a disability, it's very difficult for you to understand a little tiny thing that may seem nothing to you, but to someone whose fingers don't work very well, they can't do. Yeah. Yeah, And unless you've got got people who've got a very wide experience, when you're designing software products, and design and security and identity products. If you can't put those in in,
0: um, oh yeah, uh, make friends with someone with a chronic illness of any sort. Boy, you're you will see all all sorts of aspects of the world differently. <laughs>
1: it's yeah, true. exactly. Um,
0: also, I was going to point. I was. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to stomp over, it, but I was, I was going to mention that. Um, in addition to having you know diverse voices on the table, but there also needs to be a move towards uh, actually listening to even you know the most initially unlikely you know explanations and really processing them i mean it revol- it involves getting away from a well, sort of well, we we started with the solution and we just want you to reinforce the solution exactly, for us kind of exactly. mindset yeah there
1: needs to be an open mic yep an open mic culture inside right. security because you mustn't be frightened to say. because like i used to be like this i don't give a shit, nearly swore. No. i don't care anymore right about yeah. this like, I don't care if I'm right or wrong, or if I look like I'm stupid, right. because I've got the point in my life where, whatever, Right, yeah. like, but People are frightened to speak up, because they feel that they'll be embarrassed and ashamed, and people will think they're stupid. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as stupid in cybersecurity. There's yeah. no such thing as stupid in cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. There's only questions not asked. Yeah. We need to ask them, because tell you what, the cyber criminals will be asking them of themselves. Yeah. They yeah. are a lot. They know what they're doing. You know, we need to get one step above them and we can't do it without really understanding human beings and allowing human beings to speak.
0: Yeah, every yeah, that that, boy, that's a really good good point. Like almost everything involving breaches or whatever is is involving some somewhat arcane aspect of human nature that someone hadn't thought to watch out for. And then, you know, if you're not in front of it, then you're behind it. So yeah.
1: Yeah. Because you can harden you can harden your platforms and and, and follow all wasp's top ten as much as you want. Right, but like you know, someone clicks on a phishing email, and you haven't, you know, and even if second
0: factor yet, yeah,
1: yeah, even with second factor authentication there's like, where's the rent You put a trojan on your on your mobile phone, and you know,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. No, nope. it's uh, a war of attrition. Um, so, having worked in security for more than twenty years, uh, what tips would you give to women entering the world of security now?
1: Um. Try not to be too scared of what you come across and don't let it phase you. Be do, do as much as, as much reading around the subject as you can because it's a big mm-hmm. subject. Yeah. Try and um, see outside of the, um, you know, things like um, the, the sort of hardcore anatomy of a hack type of thing. They're important. They're really important because you need to understand what you're up against. Um, but also look at the wider scope of cybersecurity. Um, see it as a more of a holistic exercise because that's what it is. Because if you, I mean, find your focus. You might find a focus in a particular area which you're really good at. If you can find your focus quickly, great. But well, have a look around because it's a big space, big, 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 big space, and getting bigger. And um, don't be scared. Ask questions and try and find a mentor. Try and find a group that you can join. You know, of supportive women and um, just take care of them, man <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, uh, so what do you think as 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 we wrap up here, what are some of the major challenges to be addressed in this regard in bringing increased representation of women minority professionals into the industry Where, where do you see all this going as as things change
1: um, it 's really difficult to predict that because like you know human nature's up and down um, whats what 's um, okay one month is not so okay the next, yep. just so say that Alabama have passed it um. Uh, Quite restrictive anti abortion law. Um, I would never have thought that of the US. So you just don't know what happens around the corner. You don't know how things change, patterns of behavior change, and cultural changes. But I'm hoping Mm -hmm. that we all come together, that we all realize each other's strengths and weaknesses, that we work together, and that men and women are equal. You know, and it's recognized that we're just, but this, we're different, you know, we're different but equal. Yeah. Those things, those differences can actually become our strengths. together.
0: We're all going to get through this together. Susan, I could talk to you for hours, but thank you again for being here today. And thank you for all your insights. Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Chris. Speak to you soon. Uh,
0: And thank you all for listening and watching. If you enjoyed today's video, you can find many more on our YouTube page. Just go to YouTube and type in Cyberwork with InfoSec to check out our collection of tutorials, interviews, and past webinars. If you'd rather have us in your ears during your workday, all of our videos, including this one, are available as audio podcasts. Just search Cyber Work with InfoSec in your favorite podcast app of choice. See the current promotional offers available for podcast listeners, and to learn more about our InfoSec Pro Live Boot Camps, InfoSec Skills On Demand Training Library, and InfoSec IQ Security Awareness and Training Platform, go to infosecinstitute.com slash podcast, well, or click the link in the description below. Thank you once again to Susan Morrow at Avoco Security, and thank you all for watching and listening. We'll speak to you next week.